Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more and give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And uh, the topic is free people are not equal and equal people are not free. How true. We'll talk about why. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. It is March the 21st, and on this day in 1965, in the name of African-American voting rights, 3,200 civil rights demonstrators in Alabama, led by Martin Luther King Jr., began an historic march from Selma to Montgomery, the state's capital. Federalized Alabama National Guardsmen and FBI agents were on hand to provide safe passage for the march, which twice had been turned back by Alabama State Police at Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge. In 1965, King and his Southern Christian Leadership Conference decided to make the small town of Selma the focus of their drive to win voting rights for African Americans in the South. Alabama's Governor George Wallace was a vocal appointee of the African American Civil Rights Movement, and local authorities in Selma had consistently thwarted efforts by the Dallas County Voters League and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Commission uh, Committee to register local black citizens. Although George Wallace, uh, the governor, promised to prevent it from going forward on March the 7th, some 600 demonstrators led by the Southern Christian Leadership Conference leader Hosea Williams and uh, John Lewis began a 54-mile march to the state capitol. After crossing the bridge, they were met by Alabama state troopers and posse men who attacked them with nightsticks, tear gas, and whips after they refused to turn back. Several of the protesters were severely beaten, and others ran for their lives. The incident was captured on national television and outraged many Americans. King, who was in Atlanta at the time, promised to return to Selma immediately and led another attempt. On March the 9th, King led another marching attempt, but turned the marchers around when the state troopers began blocking the road. On March 21st, U.S. Army Troop and Federalized uh, Alabama National Guardsmen escorted the marchers across the bridge and down Highway 80. When the highway uh, narrowed for the two lanes, only 300 marchers were permitted, but thousands more joined the Alabama Freedom March as it came into Montgomery on March the 25th. On the steps of the Alabama State Capitol, King addressed live television cameras and a crowd of 25,000 folks just a few hundred feet from the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church where he got his start as a minister in 1954. The great uh, Martin Luther King Jr. again uh, had the vision of uh, his children being judged by the uh, quality of their character, not the color of their skin. And boy, has the Democrat Party tried to turn that one on its ear, unfortunately. But uh, what a great leader and a pacifist. But uh, again, lots of activism got the job done. Well, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas was admitted to the hospital on Wednesday on Friday after the, uh, I should say on Friday, after experiencing flu-like symptoms and was diagnosed with an infection. The uh, judge, of course, the justice, who's 73, was being treated with intravenous antibiotics and his symptoms were abating and he expected to be released from Sibley Memorial Hospital in a day or two, the court said in a statement. The Supreme Court was set to be in session on today, uh, said that Thomas would participate in consideration and discussion of cases through briefs, transcripts, and audio of the oral arguments. A court representative said earlier this year that all nine justices were fully vaccinated against COVID and had received booster doses. In spite of that, they're doing fine. A court uh, spokesperson told CBS News that Thomas does not have COVID is good news. We just pray for his. He's, he is one of the most important people we can have right now 
uh, who's uh, upholding the Constitution. We pray for his uh, well-being. Well, thousands packed the Florida Live Arena in uh, Sunrise, Florida, yes, on Saturday, to watch uh, former President Donald Trump speak during an American Freedom Tour. The 45th president promised the crowd he would return and that America would be better than ever, according to a tweet from the tour. You have a president that always put American first, Trump told supporters, I will be back and we America will be stronger than ever before. Other conservative le- leaders, including Donald Trump Jr., spoke at the event. Uh, Trump Jr. appeared before his father and urged those in attendance to become active in their local political races, the American Freedom Tour said in in a tweet. We need people to step up. Our freedoms are worth fighting for, Trump said before adding, don't let these people ever have power again. To your lips, uh, from your lips to God's ear, Donald Trump Jr. Well, the 2022 midterm elections are now 235 days away, and Republicans have an 11-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. That, according to the Rasmussen reports. And not only does the GOP enjoy an 11-point lead, but the GOP has hit the magic 50% mark. Currently, 50% of likely voters will vote for the Republican ticket in November, compared to just 39% for Democrats. The GOP is even winning support from 11% of Democrats. Wow. And independents favor the GOP by a whopping 19 points, 46% to 27%. Most shocking is that 28% of black voters choose the Republican Party, while only 62% choose Democrats. That number needs to favor Democrats by 85 to 15% for Democrats to have a chance. Uh, Recent polls from the Insider Advantage and the far-left Washington Post have the GOP up by eight and seven points, respectively. And what's important to keep in mind in these polls has for decades consistently and artificially favored Democrats. Polling almost always overestimates Democrat support and underestimates Republican support. Uh, We're never shocked, of of course, at how well Democrats performed on an election night. You never uh, are surprised because the polling always, always favors uh, Democrats. What this means is, uh, historically, Unless Democrats are up by an average of four or five points in a generic congressional poll, they lose. If the generic congressional poll shows a tie, the GOP romps. Unless the GOP catches the insane war fever surrounding Ukraine, the 2022 midterms will not only see Democrats crushed, but mark a political realignment in this country. The Democrat Party has lost the working class, and now we saw that the double-digit swing in Virginia last year lost parents as well. Democrats are losing Hispanic voters, black voters, and anyone who doesn't support violent crime, mentally ill men sharing a locker room with their daughters and uh, kids groomed in the classroom, high gas prices, record inflation, open borders, and Americans being held hostage in Afghanistan. That's pretty much been the agenda for the uh, Democrats in the past year. The Democrats have become the party of billionaires and perverts, unfortunately. Don't forget that something else Rasmussen found in the polling is that 62% support Florida's Don't Groom Little Kids bill. That includes 49% of Democrats. Another problem for the party of billionaire perverts is that a significant drag called Joe Biden, despite all the trappings of his State of the Union address, and has been seen as a wartime president, the job approval Disapproval rating has spiked by up to 54.8%. Conversely, his job approval rating has nosedived to just 40.9%. Heaven knows the GOP can still blow this. If they allow themselves to get caught up in the moral panic around Ukraine, this lunatic neo-McCarthyism, where extremism against Putin and Russian civilians proves your purity, the GOP will blow it. But if they fight to keep us out of war and focus on what matters in America and to Americans, we can see what's happened in Virginia will happen all over the country. So that's the, and uh, talking to uh, Taryn Bragdon, who's the president of the Foundation for for, uh, Government Accountability, he says that in the midterms, people make up their minds about a year in advance of the vote. So we're a lot closer than a year right now to November 8th, when this vote happens. So uh, that's just more information. Hopefully uh, that will hold true in this case. 
While Canadian energy officials expressed frustration with the Biden administration for seeking to increase oil production from Venezuela and Saudi Arabia instead of looking for its neighbor in the north, Sonia Savage, the energy minister of Alberta, made the comments in an interview. What do you think when President Biden calls on OPEC and other oil drilling nations like Saudi, asked Fletcher. I thought, what? We're right next door. We're here, Savage responded. It's extremely frustrating when we see the United States administration reaching out to Saudi Arabia to ask for more oil production, to ask OPEC for more oil production, to look to at Iran and to look at Venezuela when we're right here next door in Alberta, she said. They should be looking at us as a solution to energy security, not Venezuela. She said the Canadians uh, have more than uh, make up the lack of oil imports resulting from the ban on Russian imports over its invasion of Ukraine. So in other words, they can fill the bill, she says. She has previously criticized the Biden administration for her from official social media account. Uh, U.S. Uh, now looking to replace Russian barrels with Venezuelan. Can you make this stuff up? She desperately timed, said in her tweet. A reminder of the folly of energy policy over the past decade, Canada, with its third largest reserves, could have supplied the U.S. and the world, she added. Republicans and other critics have assailed Democrats for seeking to increase oil production from unfriendly countries while seeking to restrict domestic oil production that could have curbed the skyrocketing price of gas. The result of the Biden's presidency has been that the enemy of America, countries like Russia, Iran, Venezuela are all getting stronger, getting richer, getting more aggressive, getting more hostile, said Ted Cruz, of course, the Republican from Texas, because the president is simultaneously weakening our own ability to produce energy and strengthening their ability to produce energy, he said. So true. Well, last week, the U.S. Army joined other branches of the U.S. military in their efforts to purge the ranks of all unvaccined or vaccine dissenters, announced the separation of three soldiers who refused the experimental jab. This is the first time the military branch has discharged soldiers over the mandate. Also included in the initial round of cuts were six Army leaders who were stripped of their ranks, including two battalion commanders. There are also over 3,250 citations handed out to soldiers who are still refusing to comply with a mandate. So here we are uh, right now on the precipice militarily in terms of uh, the peace through the world, and uh, we're cutting people because they didn't get the vaccine. Can you believe that? This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, terrific for kids of all ages. It's called historycentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So I thought we'd explore what's happening around the world, as we usually do on Monday morning. And, of course, uh, should start off with Ukraine. What's going on? So at the moment, the war is turning into a stalemate, which, in effect, is a Russian defeat. Uh, the Ukrainians seem to have stopped the Russians on almost every front. They're incapable of taking Kiev. They're uh, making a little bit of progress in the south, but that's about it. Uh, they've, they've had a, one city under siege now for three weeks, and they're making very slow progress, but it, it stopped their advance completely. Um, and the Russians are in deep logistical problems. They're having a very hard time resupplying their troops, getting mm. uh, new equipment, getting uh, ga uh, gas, all those things. And the Russians plan for a short, um, a short war, not for a long war of attrition. Um, on the other hand, they're pounding cities, killing civilians without question. Um, probably the largest war crime since World War II taking place in front of our eyes. So it's pretty depressing, impressive, however way you want to look at uh, yeah, it. Yeah, so what about what about peace talks? I mean, I, I know that the, they surfaced it for, uh, right now. The, uh, Putin has uh, selected Erdogan to uh, negotiate or to uh, somehow uh, manage the process uh, and uh, there have been concessions. I mean, true, Putin has laid out what he would demand us, you know. But it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be any progress. Well, that's because it's not clear that Putin really wants any progress. There's a very Putin has a really big problem now because maybe he could find something face saving, you know, if he'll accept the idea that you know Ukraine says it will not join NATO for the next ten years, and um, you know that. It won't contest immediately the current borders, you know, in uh, Crimea. But Ukraine won't give up on its borders. <clears throat> and it's not going to say it's going to be neutral. I mean, think of what happened here. He, he took a country that was somewhat divided and some people, you know, some, a good percentage of the people felt an affinity for Russia mm -hmm. and turned 40 million Ukrainians into haters of Russia. Hmm. So neutral it's not about to become. Um, so what, what, about the, uh, what about the what about the satellite states? I've forgotten the name right now, but uh, of of those uh, two areas, those apparently the Donbass all... region you're talking about. Yes, exactly. Uh, again, there it's a small area. What what Putin wants is the whole area, not the part that's occupied by those satellite states, which are frankly just inventions of the of the Russians. Um, that he wants those recognized as independent states. There's no reason Ukraine should give in. Look, the reality is. Look, it's easy for us to say because it's not our blood. But on the other hand, Putin should get absolutely nothing mm -hmm. for what he's done. Absolutely nothing. He he took a peaceful situation and just invaded um, and, just, and is trying to destroy a country. Why should he gain anything as a result of that? And he's failed on top of everything else. 
So he should get no rewards. He himself, you know, should be brought to the Hague, and anyone who supported him in any which way should be questioned as to what their motives were and where they what they were thinking. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's asking for surrender of Mariupol. I guess it's pronounced uh, right. And right. Uh, they demanded to surrender by 5 a.m. local time today, which was about uh, four hours ago. And they, of course, the Ukrainians basically, um, in a, in, a, in a different way, said what our, what the famous U.S. general said at action and during the Battle of the Bulge. And I don't know if you want me to repeat this. I don't know if it's a child-friendly, but he, he used the term um, that refers to a type of um, nut. Well, that's what he called it, basically. So, yeah. if you remember that famous line, so I don't remember. The Ukrainian said to said to the Russians. So go ahead and repeat it because I don't know. There's a, that many children listening. <laughs> okay, so basically, back back during World War II, when the Germans demanded a surrender of U.S. troops that were more or less surrounded during the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, the general in charge said nuts to that uh, nuts, and then you know not, not that they're nuts, but the nuts and that in the other I get, the word. I got you. So and so, so that's what the Ukrainians have said to the Russians today. They're not about to surrender, um, even though the Russians have made slow progress and have destroyed the city. This was like the fourth largest city in Ukraine. Have destroyed it, leveled it. I mean, there's no listen. This has been Putin's. Um, way of doing business, going back to the war in Chechen, then he did it in Syria. The world sort of stood by, let him get away with what he did until he got to Europe. And the world is still, you know, half letting him go. The, the problem for him is that the arms that the United States and everybody else is supplying are very lethal, very effective, and better than the stuff that he has, frankly. Mm -hmm. So we've discovered also that... Um, all the talk all these years about this modernization and this great army that he has just isn't true. Yes, it isn't true. Apparently, he just made an appeal to uh, Israel. He's, in, oper he's operating by Zoom right now, which is kind of interesting. Uh, speaking to Congress, but also speaking to, uh, I guess, it's to he's the... Today, he's speaking to the German, parliament, German people. He spoke to the Bundestag a couple of days ago. He spoke to the Israeli parliament by Zoom yesterday. He speaks everywhere in the world. That's Zelensky we're talking about, of course, not right. Putin. Right. And he's basically saying to everybody, "You're not doing enough." You know, everybody he's talking to, "Don't you're not doing enough? Why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z?" And of course, if I'm him, that's what I would be doing too. Right. And listen, he's he doesn't get what he wants, but he gets more than they, that he was getting before that. Let's put it that way. Yep. He's uh, he's being and, extremely uh, effective. So uh, what? Uh, Biden is now making a trip. I guess he's leaving on Thursday. Maybe, uh, but he's, right, he's going first to Brussels for a NATO meeting. Yeah, um, and after the NATO meeting, he's going to Poland to meet with the, um, in Warsaw with the president of Poland. And Poland, of course, has been taking the brunt of the refugees. They've taken almost two million refugees, and which is a 180 degree turn for Poland, which was not very big on refugees to say the least. They're one of those countries in Europe that didn't want any refugees. But look, the Ukrainians are close to the Poles. The border between Ukraine and Poland has been, shall we say, fluid over the last two centuries. Yeah, I read that there's the, the number of refugees is up to three and a half million, three point three million, or something like that. That's a lot of people who've been displaced out of Ukraine. Have they all gone to Poland, or where are they? Well, they've gone. Hello, Mark. Did we lose Mark again? I, <laughs> I'm afraid we may have lost Mark, but uh, so I'm going to hang up and let him call back then because uh, that is probably what's what's going on right now. So uh, we're going to continue the show right now. We'll just take a little commercial back, uh, break, and we'll be back in just a moment here. Uh, Bob Harden on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. 
After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman. We lost him for a brief bit, but he's back. Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. So uh, we've talked a little bit about what's happening in Ukraine, but also China is now becoming a player in this entire process. Uh, But before we uh, talk about that, apparently there was a a plane crash, uh, commercial airlines, 133. Run by what's called China Eastern, crashed domestically in in southern China. Um, I saw a video of the crash, actually, and it was very frightening. It was basically a plane diving, I mean, where you could see the plane coming down from the sky at at 90 degrees straight into the earth. Wow. And so, uh, we obviously, obviously, we have absolutely no idea at this point what caused it or what happened, but very, very unusual, by the way, for, you know, it's, there was zero control. The plane was just heading... 180 right, right into the right Well, into, I would suggest right a, a plane that's out of control uh, is uh, would would continue its flight or gliding. Uh, but this, it's that to me sounds like a suicide mission of some sort. Diving 90 degrees. Guess, you know, it, it, it's way too early for speculation. Yeah. Uh, but very, very unusual to, to, to what was what we saw. I could not tell whether there was a fire or anything going on. The video was very, very quick. The plane just you could see it appear. You know, in the sky, and two seconds later, it crashed into the earth. So, yeah, very strange um, indeed. Uh, well, sad indeed. And I also want to bring up the apparently the uh, Evergreen real estate fund uh, that uh, first indicated that there's problems with real estate in China. Apparently, stopped trading. Any significance to that? Listen, we don't understand the finances of what's going on to some extent in China. We know all of their real estate companies are way overextended. They built more than they can sell. Um, and uh, this is putting a, a great uh, strain on the Chinese economy. So, you know, it's, un- it's unclear. It's certainly not good news for China, um, but neither is the war good news for China. I mean, people have to understand something, that um, trade being affected in the world is a very bad thing for China. Mm-hmm. And China also had a very bad um, wheat crop this year, uh, one of its worst in recent memory because of flooding. And as a result, they need to buy even more wheat on the world market than they usually do. And then combine that with what's happening in terms of Ukraine and the Soviet Union, that they produce about 20% of the world's wheat, and also a lot of its fertilizer. We're looking at a really serious problem all over the world this year in terms of a shortage of of wheat. Uh, Increased prices, of course, comes from shortages. And, of course, the poorest in the world are going to pay the highest price for all of that. And add on to that the uh, breakout outbreak of uh, COVID. Apparently, they, they zero cases. A policy that they have right now is going to shut down production for quite a while. Right. So in different parts of China, I mean, Hong Kong is the worst right now. 
And Hong Kong um, is a really high death toll. And, you know, the problem with China is twofold. One hand, um, because it was never a big deal, the elderly population did not get uh, vaccinated as they have in most of the Western world. So in most of the Western world, people over 65 were running at about 85 to 95 percent, depending on which countries that people are vaccinated. So what's happening in Hong Kong is having a very, very high death rate because very few people have been vaccinated, and those that have been vaccinated have been vaccinated with the Chinese vaccine, which, as far as we're able to ascertain, is not nearly as effective. Yeah. So an ineffective vaccine with low vaccination rates and, um, and a version of COVID that's spreading very, very rapidly. So if this hits most of mainland China, uh, who knows what the effect will be both on China itself and also, of course, on the supply chain. Supply chains are... You know, we, we've learned the hard way this past two years, first with COVID, now with the war, that um, this integrated supply chain, which basically is based on just-in-time inventory, getting not holding any inventory, relying on the world transportation network to get us product as quick as possible, may be great for the bottom line of companies, and maybe yeah. they're a little bit more profitable as a result of that, or a lot more profitable. But when times go bad, it's not good for the world economy, and it's not good for people who have to, who need to buy all of their products. Yeah, and including uh, apparently we have a food shortage on the horizon. Very much so, because of this wheat situation, uh, we'll have a worldwide shortage of wheat. Now, I one thing I do not know is how fast the U.S. farmers can ramp up production. But as we know, farming is a seasonal matter, and you know you can't suddenly make winter, summer, and summer winter. Right. And it takes time for food to grow. So it's not like hire some more employees and turn out some more food. So this entire situation really, really, is 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 a a lesson in national security, isn't it? I mean, in so many different ways. Not only the food supply, but uh, we're taking a look at the nickel supply, fertilizer. You go right down the line, and that there's so many ways that we're vulnerable. We need to, uh, from a national security point, never never mind the uh, financial standpoint, need to uh, shore up no, our production. Absolutely. That's one of the things that people have to understand. And again, it's, it requires some significant thought. I think the Biden administration is giving some some effort now in terms of rare minerals and all of those type of things. Um, but it's a, both a security and economic question, and it requires some really, really deep thinking. And, you know, what are the responsibilities of companies? What are the responsibilities of nations? How do you balance the two? How do you balance, um, how do you balance prosperity versus security? After all, trade is usually brings prosperity to all those who are involved in trading. So how do you make sure you continue trading? On the other hand, you don't you don't leave yourself vulnerable to what can happen when wars take place. Well, of course, the Green New Deal and the, the whole point of view about the, the environment and uh, production of uh, rare earth minerals and so forth. I mean, that's really in conflict. The, the need that we have, the national security need, is in conflict with the democratic agenda, which is basically to uh, eliminate uh, you know, carbon-based energy and uh, you know, also— uh, Well, I don't see that. I, in the long term, it's not. there's no conflict here. I mean, if you're— if you're getting all, if you're getting all of your energy from renewables, whatever they may be, and nuclear power, which I'm a strong believer in, yeah, then there is no there there is no conflict here long term. Short term, you have issues. Well, that assumption, I, I would agree with you that if if we are able to achieve that, <laughs> there is no conflict. But how realistic is that to think that we can have all of our energy uh, from uh, renewables? Well, if you if you throw in nuclear into the into that into that calculation. I think the answer is we can we will be able to get there in a generation, not in a year, not in five years, <clears throat> but in a generation. Now, um, that may not be fast enough for some people. It may not even be fast enough for the environment, for all I know. But <clears throat> how about fast enough? How about fast number. enough for national security? For national security, I mean, a generation is fine. I mean, that's the question. I mean, how long will it take? Yeah. Um, I've heard some scientists recently that they're talking about the fact that within 20 years we'll be able to uh, get power from hydrogen so finally fusion power may actually be real within 20 years so we have we have a bunch of private companies that are doing work and their expectations within the next decade they will be able to um, show proof of concept and show fusion reactors working yeah It'll take more longer obviously to get them into power plants etc but so I'm optimistic in that sense that technology will eventually solve some of these problems 
but we have to get from here to there, and that's not going to be easy in any, in any way we look at it. No, it's not. So uh, how severe do you think this shortage could be in terms of uh, our immediate needs for food? I think we won't feel it as much in the United States and in the Western world because we'll just pay more for our food and prices will go up. Uh, but I think where it's going to be really problematic are places that are in Africa and other places where the world has been donating or they've been able to buy food at a lower price and the price of food is going to get even more expensive. I don't see the fact, I don't think anyone in America is going to go hungry as a result, but I see people in the rest of the world may. Um, and of course, inflation, prices are going to go up and then of course we get into the spiral. Yeah. And these are things that have nothing to do with um, the American economy per se, but it have to do with the world effects of oil and food and wheat and all these sort of things and um, it's going to create a bit of havoc. Nothing, no, no two ways about it. Yeah. Uh, any before I let you go, any comments at all on the Iran deal and what's happening? Well, there's a push to come and sign that agreement. There is talk about it being signed this week. On the other hand, we don't really know what's in this agreement at this point, so it's pure speculation. Um, it's not clear to me. Again, the question is, what are the alternatives? And, and that therein lies the problem always. In other words. I have no doubt the Iranians are better negotiators than anybody else. They've been at it for thousands of years, and they negotiate really well. Yeah. So I have no doubt whatever agreement we come to, we probably could have gotten 10 or 20% better if we would have had people who were as good as negotiating as, as they are. But leaving that part aside, um, I, I frankly am not sure what, you know, what the alternatives are. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we'll just have to see what's in the agreement and see um, how we can live with it. Look... Saying that we will, they're saying that, um, you know, the, the Republicans are right now saying, well, any agreement that we reach, we're going to walk away from again. I mean, that was the worst thing that ever happened was the United States walking away from the agreement because, by all accounts, by every intelligence agency in the world, the Iranians were keeping the agreement. And the biggest, single biggest problem of the agreement is the fact that it, sun, it sunsets after three to ten years, depending on what part of it. Yeah. I mean, not from the beginning, from the beginning it was ten years. So what we did was we sunsetted it early. When they were, what did we accomplish by doing that? I completely uh, never understood that. Unless the United States was willing to go to war with Iran, which is the only way to threaten them to, for better terms, and they know the United States is not ready to go to war with Iran. So if we're not ready to go to war, then there are a limited number of things we can do that, are, that can force the Iranians to agree to demands beyond what, what they will agree to. Yeah, so. Mark Schumann again. Found, situation. Uh, Mark Schumann, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check out HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence 
serving kindergartens through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. Larry is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, but the focus of our work takes us all over the country and quite often abroad as well. We zero in on high school and college students and attempt to educate and inspire them in some of the very ideas you've just mentioned, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that through our website, which is fee.org, where you'll see lots of daily fresh new content, as well as free videos and courses, and also in-person events on college campuses and in high schools all over the country. Uh, High school and college age kids that get exposed to these concepts and to this organization, I think, really benefit. And if you have somebody in your life at that age, I encourage you to introduce them to FEE.org, the uh, website, FEE.org. Thank you, Larry. So uh, you wrote a piece which I think is so important, and it's, <laughs> I just wanted to, to talk about it. It's called Free People Are Not Equal, and Equal People Are Not Free. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Yes, when it comes to equality, that's a term that almost everybody says, oh, yeah, I'm for that. Uh, and in one sense, uh, we ought to be. Uh, equality before the law, that is a principle I think that uh, any civilized society should embrace, the idea that when it comes to the application of the law, it is going to be fair. It's not going to be based upon the color of your skin or the, the religion that you embrace or the, uh, you know, other uh, matters of uh, personality and so forth, uh, that the, the law should be equal. Um, Uh, And you should be judged innocent or guilty of whatever you're accused of based on whether you did it, not according to irrelevant criteria Mm -hmm. such as your race. But beyond that, equality uh, becomes very problematic. Uh, Just imagine a banquet. If you went to a banquet and every dish tasted the same, you might say, well, we have equality in tastes, but uh, uh, it would be a pretty boring banquet. Right. Other than equality before the law, we should allow people to be themselves, to go as far as their talents and their ambitions uh, can take them. And that inevitably will produce uh, uh, inequality in terms of the incomes they generate and the contributions they make to the rest of us in society. I embrace that. I, I, I think it's great that people... Uh, are in a free society are free to do their thing and some will do uh, more and better things than than others and that's just the the nature of uh, of the fact that we are not the same one person to another not the same in so many different ways and also in terms of our motivation you know uh, there may be one person who wants to make a lot of money and pours all time and effort into that effort and and even uh, succeeds and has a lot more financial success and perhaps the guy that's built bodybuilding and <laughs> out yeah. doing doing and, and playing sports and so forth that and does not uh, put any focus on that area of his life may have a tremendous physique and uh, you know do very well in sports but uh unfor- and you know doesn't make any money i'm being you know those are two preposterous types of uh outcomes but the point is that they, we all have a chance to process and to uh, focus and to to put our efforts in certain areas which could lead to outcomes that we're seeking. 
That's right. And there are a lot of reasons why people would generate different incomes uh, in a free market. And one is that uh, we're not all equally talented. Right. Some people have uh, far better talents uh, sort of innately uh, than others do. And some people work on their talents and make them much better than they were born with. Uh, and they do that more effectively than other people. So we're different in terms of our talents. We're different in terms of our willingness to work. Some people will burn the midnight oil and work 24-7, it seems. Uh, that's the case with a lot of small business people when they first begin their businesses. Uh, or another sense uh, is that we're different in terms of the, uh, the incomes that we save and the incomes that we spend. Right. Uh, some of us, uh, if, if we all won the lottery tonight, well, we wouldn't each uh, uh, deal with that, uh, those winnings the same way. Some people would spend it. Some people would save it. And among the savers would be those who are pretty good at investing uh, in the right places. So they would, would tend to earn more over time. So we're, we're just not the same as individuals and why anybody should expect us to generate in a free market the the same income is beyond me. I would agree. And, you know, the, if we're clear about the whole notion that uh, this, we're not trying to get out equal outcomes, then we need to do everything we can as a society and as a government to try and uh, clear the playing field and make sure that people can, can achieve and uh, to enjoy uh, equal opportunity under the law. In other words, get rid of the barriers to success where possible. Yeah, it's you know, just imagine a high school football game. I mean, there are certain rules that apply equally to everybody. That's the kind of equality before the law uh, principle in place. But beyond that, <clears throat> everybody wants the players to do their best. And yeah. if that means that some do better than others, well, so be it. Absolutely. And Larry, it's such an important point. And you make the point in, you know, repeat this as often as you can to young people. Let them know that this is a... Uh... This is a, a, a law that needs to be a, a enjoyed and appreciated by all because right now in our society we're seeing convolution of that. The whole notion is, you know, you shouldn't, if you're white, you shouldn't like yourself because, you know, <laughs> because of white privilege and all this nonsense that's getting in the way of, of uh, each of us trying to, hey, life is hard. We need to work hard in order to achieve what we can based on the, the assets and the attributes that we possess and uh somehow some way we need to be making a contribution if you're in a wheelchair if you're blind no matter what the circumstances you can make a contribution if you want to yeah and you know all around us we see uh insidious challenges to these principles you see in in some schools uh there's a there's been a trend for a long time to sort of uh suppress competition to make everybody feel as though they're in they're an equal particip participant. Right. We just give out participation trophies, and <laughs> and uh, we don't uh, uh, applaud when somebody does remarkably better than another, as as if that's somehow unfair. And what what we're simply doing is suppressing the human spirit to excel, and to be better, and to uh, achieve uh, whenever we do those things. Absolutely. Again, Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Please check out fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Follow the Leader, and its, and its uh, sequel, Shake the Money Tree. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Lulu Bee's Diner has some great outdoor dining for breakfast or lunch. Great time of the year to do that. So uh, they're located right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Visit Lulu Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center for breakfast or lunch. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of uh, follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Jim. And uh, hey, you're you're coming out with a new book soon. Uh, it's out. I'm I'm going to send you a copy. It's called No Problem. It's the uh, third in my uh, Martin Boundary uh, murder mystery series. I'm very proud of it. Great. And, uh, it hit the hit the uh, shelves last week. Fabulous. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading it, Jim. And uh, for our listeners' benefit, no problem is the sequel to, again, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. So, Jim, I understand that uh, there have been some naval exercises in the Arctic. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to get up to 70 degrees in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania today, where I've I've, uh, resettled, which is, uh, for us, that's balmy. And I'm focused on the Arctic. The Navy had a training exercise up there uh, called uh, ISEX 2022, three weeks. Uh, they, they set up an, an airstrip. Uh, they set up an encampment, uh, supposedly for research, but it's actually a test of our ability to project military power in an unforgiving environment. Hmm. And the reason is the Arctic ice is melting uh, the Chinese and Russians have plans for the Arctic, which are um, uh, not in the best interests of the free world. Uh, the Chinese are building a uh, super icebreaker that they hope to dispatch by 2025. And, of course, that icebreaker can carry guns and cruise missiles. Uh, they see it as part of their belt and road trade initiative. Mm-hmm. You know, they see it as a faster route to ship goods to Europe. Uh, the Russians have a submarine base in the Barents Sea, and they are interested in um, reducing uh, free navigation in the Arctic area. You know, hmm. you know, so essentially a uh, a grab for. And, and it also turns out that the Arctic is rich in natural gas, and it has something like a you know an estimate of a trillion dollars in rare metals. Wow. So. Um, you know, we are an Arctic country uh, because of Alaska, which we got from the Russians in 1847. I mean, I mean you know, uh, the, the uh, northern coast of Alaska is on the uh, Arctic Sea. So it, our northernmost military base is in Thule, Greenland. It's been there since World War II. Mm. It's... Uh, you know, NATO's one, it's probably NATO's most important northern outpost because it gives us early warning from Russian missile attacks, among other things. So, you know, we've had an interest in the Arctic for over 150 years. We've been active up there. And 
And we've been pressing, you know, engaging uh, the Russians and Chinese in the Arctic. And, and this is part, I mentioned this part of, you know, Ukraine is a small part of this because if you go to a map and you look at Norway, Finland, and Sweden, uh, they're, they're on the Arctic Ocean. They're right next to the Russian naval base in the Barents Sea. Yep. And they're reluctant to join NATO because it would uh, threaten, it would have, if they join NATO, NATO would be uh, on the doorstep of Russia's biggest submarine base. So, um, you know, the, to the bottom line is you can't understand what's going on around the globe today without focusing on uh, the Arctic region. Well, I'm so happy you brought this up because it, it points out the fact that uh, China, I, I know for a fact, has a strategy, a global strategy for uh, Op optimization of markets and, and control of uh, what's going on. I mean, they are not only the Arctic, but you can go into Africa, around the globe, and, and their focus is pretty severe. And to your point, there's huge resources in the Arctic. And, uh, and uh, right now, uh, we would be foolish to not pay attention to the opportunity there. Yeah, and I, I want to... Uh refer your your listener you have a very uh, educated uh, listenership uh, so i would have urge your audience to look at a short document the navy produced in 2020 it's called a blue arctic you know it, it's talking about melting ice it doesn't take it, it's not a uh, environmental impact statement i mean they just assume that that global warming and they don't ascribe any uh, blame to anybody you know it's just a fact of life and one of the authors of the report is the marine corps commandant david berger who is probably the most uh, prescient uh, thinker we have in military circles today uh, you know last year he decided that the marines should abandon a lot of legacy systems like tanks and become more nimble, smaller units equipped with drones and shoulder-launched missiles, uh, fast ships to, to project their pow power. You know, he, he's mm -hmm. thinking of China, uh, you know, uh, conflicts with China in the Pacific. So so he, he reimagined the entire Marine Corps, and he was criticized roundly for it because, you know, a lot of uh, special interest uh, – have money invested in those legacy systems. Okay. So, for example, if the Marine Corps says we're not going to have any more tanks, which he has said, uh, you know, the, the companies that make those tanks run to their congressmen and scream bloody murder. Yeah. And so it really, you know, those special interests are impeding the modernization of our military forces. But the Ukraine has proven that the Berger's vision is is the right, correct one, because the uh, Ukrainians are acting a lot like the uh, Marine Corps that Berger imagines. Yeah. And, you know, their smaller units with missiles are, are, are have just so far stalled the, um, the Russians. Um, that's so... so... Um, that's so fascinating. Jim McTake, again, uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Jim, I just genuinely appreciate this commentary. This is such an interesting topic. And again, uh, we're going to look for uh, the name of the book again is... No Problem. No Problem. All right, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Before I let you go, I want to just point out that uh, our good friend uh, uh, Bernadette LaPaglia with uh, Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Guard for this, uh, is uh, putting on a seminar, Older and Wiser, uh, planned for future so that many, in many ways, medical or car insurance, living wills, backup strategies, should we become unable to care for ourselves and so forth. Should be very interesting. It's happening on the 24th, March, Thursday, March 24th at 2.30 p.m., and you can make uh, reservations at uh, through marketing director at NaplesGreenVillage.com. Marketing director at Greenvillage uh, NaplesGreenVillage.com or call 307-0366, 307-0366. Bernadette does a great job, and I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting program on the 24th, Thursday the 24th at 2.30.
Well, that's a wrap today uh, on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow, including our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife, Linda, will be on as well, uh, talking about current global events. I uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.